0: I'm going to read the text, and then we'll, we'll go. We're just going to overwhelm you with the text. You're going to know the text. You should leave having memorized the text because you've heard it so much. So here we go. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people and they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. That's the word of God out of Mark chapter eight. And so uh, a couple things you need to know if you haven't been with us before, you have. We've been in Mark for a long time. I'm pretty sure we started before I came to school and we're still in it and I just graduated. We've been here forever. And on top of that, we're doing five verses in the dead middle of Mark, like really short, dead middle. And the other thing you need to know before we start is that Mark is not really detail-oriented sometimes. Um, He'll give some random details, like he tells us there's green grass instead of brown grass, but he's not super detailed. He's trying to get you to the story as fast as possible. He's like, and Jesus did this, and Jesus did this, and Jesus did this, and we're here, and we're done, it's over, go tell people. And so there's not a whole lot here, but I think we can pull some stuff out of here, but just of the power of Jesus. And so kind of bear with me. I also want to tell the story a little bit because Bible stories are a little disconnected and this one's weird and it's quick. And so just kind of go with me. It says they came to Bethsaida. I found out it's called Bethsaida. Not Bethesda, that's a different place. Uh, my girlfriend was in Israel recently. She told me I was saying it wrong, so I'm trying to say it right. It's Bethsaida. Everyone say Bethsaida. Bethsaida. Bethsaida, okay, it's different than Bethesda. Here's what you need to know about Bethsaida. Bethsaida is a little village. The word there, when it says village, it's supposed to contrast to big city life. So it's a little village, and, and, and we know about Bethsaida a little bit from scripture. Here's what we know about it. One, it's near the place where the feeding of the 5,000 happened. So Jesus had fed 5,000 people with some bread and fish and it said that it was in a field. Luke says it's in a field right outside of Bethsaida. So that's the first thing we know. Jesus has done some work near Bethsaida. The other thing we know is that Jesus liked to take the disciples to rest in Bethsaida. And that comes out of earlier Mark. Um, the disciples get sent out and they come back and Jesus says, hey, we're going to go rest together. And he sends them to Bethsaida. And it's all kind of connected. And so he's been here before. It's this little village. They like to go rest here. And so for me, I like to picture this as kind of like Franklin, Tennessee, because it's very contrasting to Nashville. There's Nashville, and then you get away to Franklin, and and outside of Franklin's all those little farms, and it's green fields, and feeding lots of people could happen, and and, and it's one of those places. And there's churches everywhere, so there's spiritual activity going on there. And for me, just so you know, when I need to get away, Frothy and Franklin's my place. I'm in the top right corner, and I go there, and I don't talk to anyone, it's great. And so this is how I picture it. is like Franklin, Tennessee, and it says, they walk into Bethsaida, And immediately some friends come running up to them. These people come running up to them. And we don't know a whole lot about the people. It doesn't give a whole lot of detail, but here's what we know. We know about two things. One, they have either encountered the power of Jesus or they've heard of it. So they either, they believe in the power of Jesus. Somewhere along the way they've encountered it. Maybe they were at the feeding Maybe they were there when Jesus broke the loaves and the fishes and he saw, they saw the miraculous healing and the feeding and maybe they saw the power or maybe they've heard of it. Jesus was well-known at this time. He's being told, there's stories everywhere. But no matter the case, they have heard or know the power of the Jesus and they believe in it. The other thing we know about them is that they're friends with this blind guy. And I don't think, I'm not trying to give like some deep spiritual truth here. Here's how I get this. Um, I know personally, this is the wickedness in my own heart, is that if I see a guy on the side of the road that's hurting, rarely do I go, hey, let me take you to the hospital and pay all your medical bills. It doesn't happen. There's better people than me, but I don't do it. But if it was one of my friends or family and they're sick or they're hurting, I would do anything for them. I would do anything to heal them. And I think about this, couple weeks ago I was in New Zealand I got to go on a great trip my mother took me for graduation and we're flying back and on the way back in the first flights like New Zealand to Australia or yeah New Zealand to Australia about three hours and then it's Australia to LA and that's 13 hours in the air it's a long time and about three hours in my mom gets it gets a migraine Like one of those really bad migraines where you can't see, you need to be in a dark space, it's hurting, you want to throw up. And she just takes a turn for the worst. And my reaction is I'm trying to do everything I can to help, even though we're on a little plane. And I'm like talking to the flight attendants. I'm like, hey, can we get her to lay down? Do you have medicine? Can we knock her out? Can we do something? She's hurting and we need to help. I'm trying to rotate seats. The woman beside us, I'm like, you need to stop. And we're trying to just help her because I care about my mom. And I'm going on my way. And so this is the picture we're getting of these people. We know that they believe in the power of Jesus. They've either encountered him or they've seen him or they heard him. They believe in the power of Jesus. And they believe that power can be applied to their friend. And so I just imagine this. They've seen Jesus walking into the town. It's a little village. They see him walking in. And they're like, he's here. Someone, I'm, I'm pretending the blind guy's named Tim. Someone grab Tim, let's get Tim, get him. We got it, Jesus can heal him, go get him. They're trying to grab Tim, Tim can't see. They're picking Tim up, they're like, come on, come on. They're pulling, Tim's like, where are we going? They're like, don't worry about it, Jesus is here. Jesus is here, and they're so excited. They believe in the power of Jesus. And they have this friend that needs the power of Jesus. And it says, they come running up to Jesus, it says they beg him. And the phrase there, it's, it's not to say like, they walked up and said, hey Jesus, will you please heal our friend? And Jesus, if he said no, they'd be like, okay, cool, and walk away. No, they come and they fall on their knees and like, Jesus, you gotta heal him. You gotta heal our friend. He he needs to be healed by you. Just touch him. We believe when you touch him, he can be healed. It says they begged him. And I love this picture because Jesus comes up and he says it takes the guy's hand and he starts leading him out of the town. And I wanna stop here. I wanna go, what do we know about the blind guy? All we hear is that he's called the blind guy. But there's a couple things I think we can pull out of this. Um, One, he's not from Bethsaida. Because at the very end of the text, it's going to say, Jesus says, hey, go home and don't go to the village. So somehow along the way, this guy who's blind has ended up in this little village called Bethsaida. It's the first thing we know. The second thing we know is that, I just forgot the second thing we know. The second thing we know is that he wasn't blind from birth. And we know this because when Jesus heals them, he knows what people and trees look like. In the middle of the text, it says, I, I see people and trees and he has seen them before. So somewhere along the way, he could see and now he can no longer see. And, and I don't know a whole lot about blindness and I wanna be really sensitive to that. But I just imagine if at one point you could see and then you can no longer see how much of a loss that would hurt how much you would feel that. If you could see the blue sky at one point, or you could see the people you care about and see their face, and all of a sudden, all you see is darkness. And just imagine the loss that that would bring. And so we have this guy who at one point could see, and now he can't see, and he's in this town that he wasn't born in, and he's here. And here's the third thing we know about him. He's not very vocal. And I pulled this out because throughout the Gospel of Mark, there's a running theme that people who believe in the power of Jesus and desire the power of Jesus are very active and vocal about going for that power. And so in Mark chapter 2, we have these um, lepers who come crying out to Jesus, say, heal us. Or in Mark chapter 5, which is one of my favorite texts, we have three different cases. We have the demon-possessed man who comes running and falling at his knees and says, Jesus, help me. You have Jairus's da- Jairus who comes and says, hey, my daughter's dying. You have to help me. Or you even have the woman who's bleeding who comes and reaches out in the middle of the crowd it's like grabbing on to Jesus, or even after this, you're going to have this blind man named Bartimaeus who's going to start. Mark, Mark chapter ten. Mark chapter ten. He's going to come out and he is yelling so loudly at Jesus to heal him that people are like, "You got to stop. You're loud. Stop. Go back to the back of the room." Like he's yelling, "Jesus, help me!" And Mark has set up this theme, this pattern that people that believe in the power of Jesus and desire the power of Jesus go after the power of Jesus. They're vocal, and yet we see in this story this blind guy is not vocal at all. And I don't think it's too far of a stretch to kind of assume that he's lost his sight and he's lost a little bit of his hope. He's lost a little bit of his faith. And at this point, it's not him going out of his way to go get Jesus, but it's his friends picking him up and taking him to go get to see Jesus. And I love this. Jesus takes this blind guy and he leads them out. He leads him out. And, you know, the disciples are there with him and, and the friends are there and he leads him. And it says he spits in his eyes, and this is as gross as it sounds. Let's just be honest, this is nasty. And I, I started thinking about this from the blind guy's perspective because he can't see, but he can hear and he, he can feel. And I'm wondering, he's, he's outside the town. He hears the loogie sound like, and he feels some wetness in his eyes. And he's like, I think I know what just happened. That's gross. And imagine, and then Jesus touches him and he says, can you see? And it says the blind guy opened his eyes for the first time in a long time. He opens his eyes and he can see something. He can see a little bit. And it's, it's a little bit of hope and it's blurry hope, but it's a little bit of hope. And he says the phrase, he says, hey, I can see, but it looks, there's like men and they look like trees and they're walking around. And The first picture that comes to my head, if you ever seen Lord of the Rings, it's like the walking trees from Lord of the Rings or Narnia, the trees are moving. But what they're trying to communicate is that it's really blurry. Like he can see a little bit, but it's super blurry. I, I think I kind of connect to this. In high school, I played football. I know that's weird to think about, but I played football and I got hit once and I hit my head and I got a concussion and I hop up and my coach is yelling at me. He's like, Jones, you okay? And I'm like, There's four of you. I'm not, I'm like cross-eyed. It's all blurry. I just see a mass of people. I don't know what's going on. And this is what it's trying to communicate. Jesus spits in the man's eyes, touches him and he can suddenly see, but everything's blurry. And I love it, then it says, and Jesus touched his eyes. And this may be my interpretation, and I take that, but I just picture like Jesus kind of coming up and wiping away the leftover spit from his eyes. He wipes them away, and, and suddenly the guy, he goes, can see clearly. And it says, the text says he was restored. And he can see everything clearly. And restored, the word there means he was returned to his original state. Like we said before, he could see at one point no longer see, restored back to the place where he could see. Or when it says everything clearly, it means everything in the right light. And what he's trying to communicate, I love this picture, is that Jesus, who gets called to light, is allowing this man to see everything in the right light. It's just beautiful. And then Jesus says, all right, go home. Don't go back to the village. That's not where you belong. Go home. And that's the story again. And it's this beautiful picture, I love it, of Jesus healing this man. And it's weird because he uses mud and spit, and it's just weird. And Here's the question I have, and if you're like me, you probably have this question as you're reading it. Why does it take two times? Like, did, the, did he not have a good enough loogie? Was it the wrong mud? Like, in, the, in another story, he uses mud with the spit, so maybe he should have done that. He learned that later. Or, why does the healing take twice? Or if you're really blunt, why doesn't it work And and I really wrestled with this this week, but here's here's what I wanna communicate clearly. This is not a question of the power of Jesus. It is not a question of the power of Jesus. And here's why I say that. There's a couple reasons. The first one, everything in Mark up to this, we have seen Jesus be all-powerful. So in Mark chapter two, he he heals a paralytic man. In Mark chapter three, he heals a bunch of people. Everyone's coming to him, he's healing them. In Mark chapter four, he's healing other people and he's walking on water, he's doing crazy things. Mark five, we already talked about it. Jairus' daughter, demon possessed man. We have the woman bleeding, we have that. Later on, we have the feeding of the 5,000, feeding of 4,000 people. We got a deaf man that Jesus gives him a wet willy and heals him. Like Jesus has power up to this point. That has not changed. That's the first thing. The other thing is, throughout the Gospels, Jesus heals seven different blind people in seven different ways. This is the only case where it takes twice. So clearly, Jesus has this power to heal some blind people because he does it a lot. And then on top of that, this is not a case of like Jesus is running out of juice, like the battery's dying on your phone and you have to charge it again. I don't know if you've ever been in the shower and it's the hot water's going and then it starts flickering. And you're like, dang it, my roommates, I have four three of them. And you're like, well, that's running out. This is not what's happening. Jesus is not running out of power. And here's why I say this. Immediately in the next chapter, he's gonna heal another guy. And then Mark chapter 10, I've already said it, the blind man, the yelling really loud one, he's gonna heal him of blindness. And then he's gonna show off the greatest amount of power he possibly could by dying and then raising himself from the dead. And an empty tomb is gonna say, hey, I still have power. This is not a question of Jesus having power in this moment, of Jesus running out of power. And if that's the case, it kind of leads me, what's going on? And I think what's happening here is we're looking at the intentionality of Jesus. And here's how I see this. If you go back and mark, and I challenge you to do this, I know we've been in Mark a long time, but go back and start over and read it a little bit. It's very quick. Jesus is very intentional with everything he does. And he is often, often using moments in real life as teaching moments. So for example, in Mark chapter 2, we talked about the healing of the paralytic man. He heals a paralytic man, not just so he can heal a man, because he cares about healing a man, but also so then he can speak to the Pharisees and explain to them what's going on wrong in their hearts. He's very intentional. He heals a man so he could teach. Or even let's go back recently, Mark chapter 6, Josh taught this a couple weeks ago in the Ruby. He talked about Jesus is having an argument with the Pharisees. And he uses this argument intentionally, turns around and begins to teach the crowds around him based off this argument. It's intentional. Or even last week, Dave comes in, Dave's talking, Jesus has another argument with the Pharisees, gets in a boat and uses the exact content of that to then teach the disciples. Jesus is intentional. He uses moments like this to teach. It's not a question of the power of Jesus. It's Jesus doing something to the disciples and the man and for something for us to pull out of. So it leads to the question, what's going on here? What is the point of this? And I think the phrase that I'm getting and, and, and as I've been in this and I'm asked these questions is, it's the progressive power of Jesus on display. It's the progressive power of Jesus, and I wanna define this for us. The progressive power of Jesus is the power of Jesus to slowly make you more like Jesus. It's the power of Jesus to come in and heal your pains, to take away your addictions, to take away your anxieties and make you look more like him. Because a life following Jesus is a life of becoming more like him. And the progressive power of Jesus is starting from when you did not love Jesus to you're in heaven looking like Jesus. It's a progressive power of Jesus. Here's two issues we have with this. One, you don't see it very well. We don't see progressive change in ourselves. I had a conversation with Josh last week. We're sitting there and he looks at me and he goes, you can't see it, but you have changed so much in the past two years. And he's right, I can't see it. And that's an issue because we look at, when the progressive power of Jesus is at work in our own lives, we rarely see it. We have a hard time looking back at ourselves and going, I'm really different from six months ago. It's, we don't see it well. The other aspect is we live in a very instant culture. We want everything now. We want faster coffee, faster internet. Look, we're getting Google Fiber. That's proof that we want faster internet. We want faster download speeds. We want everything to be now and fast. So the idea of Jesus working progressively throws us off. And it leads to us to go, if it's not instantaneous, it's not real. But this is what Jesus is trying to prove. He's saying, hey, the progressive power of Jesus is just as powerful in that play. I wanna give an example. I said earlier that I went to New Zealand and I was so blessed to get to go and um, every day it was in awe of something. Uh, my mom can attest to this, we were just blown away every day. But there's two kind of things that stand out. One was a place called Christchurch. And so we get to Christchurch. Four years ago, Christchurch was hit by an earthquake. It was about 6.2, something along the line, 160 people dead. Um, and we come four years later and we pull in this town and I'm really excited about this place because it's kind of English and I want to be European and I'm pretty excited. And, um, and we come in this town and everything's still destroyed. Like the main attraction, this huge church, half of it is gone. Everything's covered in scaffolding. There's still memorials memorial to all the dead people. And never once when I was there did I question the power of the earthquake. That earthquake was powerful. Instantaneously, it hit, people died, Buildings got destroyed, gone. The next day, we get to go to Queenstown, and we get to go to a place called Milford Sound. Milford Sound is one of the top 10 most beautiful places in the world. And so um, we get to board on this little plane, and we fly over these glaciers into Milford Sound. And what has happened in Milford Sound is, over time, glaciers have come in and dug out this almost like lake. Lake. And so around it is all these snow-capped peaks, and inside of it's this lush green. The water's bright green. There's waterfalls everywhere. Rainbows are jutting off the waterfalls because of how the sun is hitting them. There's baby seals. It is beautiful. It is gorgeous. And never once did I question the power of the glacier. Never once did I go, glacier didn't do this. Over time, the progressive power of the glacier slowly dug this out. That's loud, and it digs this out, and it's beautiful. Yes, earthquake, instantaneously, also powerful, but also the glacier, progressively, powerful, and this is what Jesus is trying to reveal. Yes, Jesus has the power to instantaneously heal, miraculously heal. That is proven in the text, and I believe that truly, but Jesus also has the progressive power to make you look more like him, to heal us over time, and just because it doesn't happen instantaneously doesn't mean it's not working. And so we see this progressive power at play in the story in a couple ways. The first one is in the blind man. I said earlier he he's he was he could see at one point but he's also blind. Now, and and this is not just a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. At one point he had hope. He has no more hope. And Jesus comes in and in stages and steps, he begins to heal this man of both his physical blindness and his spiritual blindness. To the point where he has no hope to having hope. To the point where he could not see and now he can see. We see the progressive progressive power of Jesus at play in this man's life. That's not it. We see it in the disciples. And I know that's weird because you don't actually hear of the disciples right now. But this is how we know they're there. One, it says they at the very beginning, that little word They they came into the city. The other thing is, the disciples means follower. They follow Jesus everywhere. If you read the gospel, they are literally just walking in the dust of Jesus. They're with him almost all the time. That's what a disciple does. So we can probably safely assume that the disciples are right there. And what I think Jesus is doing in this moment is he is using the healing of this man, the progressive power of Jesus in this man's life to teach the disciples what he is doing in their life. And so throughout this whole thing, throughout the entire gospel of Mark, the disciples are following Jesus and they're like eating popcorn, sitting on the front row, watching the best miracles of Jesus. And they don't get it. Go back, you're constantly looking at it. Jesus like, do you believe in me yet? And they're like, I'm confused. And they're like, here's 5,000, here's seven baskets. Do you believe me? I, What's he talking about, bread? I don't get it. And, and even last week, Dave talked about it. They just, he fed 4,000 people. They get in the boat and he's, they're like, he's like, do you believe? And they're like, why are you talking about bread? He said, like, "Do you still not see? Are you blind? Do you not get it?" But it doesn't mean the progressive power of Jesus is not working their lives. It's so clear the progressive power of Jesus is at work because He's slowly taking them from spiritual blindness to being the spiritually see. And we see it the next verse, Mark eight twenty three. Right after this, we'll talk about it next week. But finally, Jesus goes, "Who am I?" And for the first time, Peter goes, "You're the Messiah," and someone gets it. I got it. Jesus goes, thank the Lord. You can see a little bit. And yes, they still got a long way to go. And because immediately after that, Peter's going to say something stupid. And Jesus like, dang it, you still can't see that well. But he's like, it's a progressive thing. And we're going to see that Jesus is going to take them from not believing and being blind to being able to halfway see to them being church planters and people that die because of what they've seen. It's the progressive power of Jesus at work in the disciples' lives, and Jesus and this healing of this man is giving them and us a picture of what he's doing, the progressive power of Jesus. I've seen this in my own life uh, very clearly. i just be honest with you. I struggle with a lot of mental illness. I don't like that phrase, but it's the best way to sum it up, and um, throughout my life, I've struggled with depression and anxiety and Um, When I was in high school, you can kind of come up if you ever want to talk to me about my tattoos because I have a lot of them. But this one here, um, if you come really close, I have a cross on my wrist. And under it, you can still see the scars of where I used to cut myself. Um, And so that was high school. And then even in the beginning of the fall, I got diagnosed with anxiety disorder. And that's what happens when you have four panic attacks in about one week. And they, they diagnose you with that. But I've seen the progressive power of Jesus at work in the midst of those. And where it used to be just darkness and suicidal thoughts. And there's joy in life. Where it used to be shaking and panic attacks. I'm able to breathe and take one day at a time. And, and that's become because of the progressive power of Jesus. It wasn't instantaneously. Trust me, I cried out said, hey, I need you to take this right now. It didn't happen. But it began to happen through different ways. The first way it began as it began to counter the word of Jesus. You know, Jesus speaks to this guy, asks him a question and the same thing's for us. And I began to see hope and joy in his words. Do you know that Jesus teaches the most practical scripture on anxiety, like practical application of anxiety ever? It's in Matthew chapter seven, I was seeing a counselor and he was, I was like, what do I do about this? And he goes, you need to learn to take it day by day. And I'm like, okay, that's way easier said than done. And then I'm in the text and in Matthew seven and Jesus goes, why you worry, you need to take it day by day. And I was like, okay, there's something <laughs> going on here. He teaches the most practical thing, the word of Jesus. Or he, he comes in, if you're depressed, you wrestle with your worth. And he comes into my life, he goes, hey, you're loved. The word of Jesus, the scriptures say, hey, you're loved. You're valued. You, you have worth. I've seen it played out in community. I mean, you see the community here. These guys are bringing their blind friend to Jesus. The community's happening. I've seen the progressive power of Jesus in community. Um, there's been friends that have come around me who told me how much, how much, how I'm loved and I'm valued. I remember I used to live with Josh and, and I remember coming home one night just weeping and he just like comes out and he's like, you're, you're good, you're good. I was like having scary thoughts in my head. He's like, hey, you're good. He hugs me and it's in community that he begins to look at me and say, hey, you're valued or worth it. Or when I have panic attacks, I, you know, my girlfriend goes, hey, you're good day by day, breathe. We're gonna breathe, we're gonna breathe. What are you in control of? Or I have friends that call and he's like, hey, you're any, your, your feet, or on the ground, and it's you know, this day, day by day. The progressive power of Jesus, it wasn't instantaneous. It wasn't Jesus going, I'm gonna take this from you right now, but it's the progressive power of Jesus to make me more and more like him, so I can begin to trust in him and believe in him deeper and more, and more practically. And so I think we also see it in our lives. You know, it's the progressive power of Jesus that comes in and addresses your parents' divorce. I know it feels really, he comes in and he says, I know it's dark right now, but I promise it's gonna get better. There's gonna be light. It's the progressive power of Jesus that heals the wounds of your past. The mistakes you've made, the mistakes people have made to you, It allows you to heal from those. It's the progressive power of Jesus working. And that's the progressive power of Jesus uh, taking away your anxieties and your fears to reminding you that you're loved when you're sad. It's the progressive power of Jesus that is freeing people from addiction. It is the progressive power of Jesus at work. And just because we can't always see it and just because we can't look back or it's not happening right now does not mean that the progressive power of Jesus is not at work in your life. It's the progressive power of Jesus. He can heal instantaneously, but he can also heal so powerfully, progressively. And so I, I take this and I go, where, where do we go with this? So that's a great idea, progressive power of Jesus, great. I think I wanna, I wanna pull this out. I wanna look at the four characters of the story. Uh, the first one is Jesus, and I just wanna remind you of this. This is all worthless without Jesus. Jesus has all the power, both instantaneously and progressively. This is what this is about. It's about Jesus. Don't get confused about anything else in this text. It's about Jesus. He has the power. The second thing is some of us are like the blind man. And what I I mean by that is some of us just don't believe anymore. We're hopeless. You don't believe you'll be freed from anxiety. You don't believe life will get better. You don't believe. And here's how I want to encourage you. The first thing I say is that the progressive power of Jesus can heal you and wants to heal you. It can heal you and it wants to heal you. Jesus wants to heal you. And some of you, the other thing I wanna encourage you in is this is a safe space. I talked about this being community. This is the place where we're gonna talk is that this man did not have belief, but his friends did. And this is the place where you come in and I challenge you to press in and go, I don't believe in this. I don't believe in this anymore or I never have. And this is a place at tables around with people that love Jesus and know Jesus. You have this opportunity to admit, I don't believe in the progressive power of Jesus. And the coolest thing is that when we come to the end of ourselves, when we say, I do not believe anymore, I am powerless to believing that, it is when Jesus steps in and begins to work the clearest message in our lives. So I challenge you, some of you are a blind man, you, no, you don't believe it anymore, you don't have any faith, you don't believe in the progressive power, power of Jesus, I promise you it wants to work in your life. And two, take the opportunity to admit that you don't believe and let us encourage you. Some of you are the disciples in the story. And so you've had a front row seat. We've had a front row seat to the power of Jesus. You know, you've been in the Ryman and you've seen God move in miraculous ways. You, you've gone out to serve or you've been on the mission field and, and you've seen the power of Jesus, yet you don't believe that that is for you or you're still not getting it. And I want you to hear this. The progressive power of Jesus is working in your life. If you believe in Jesus and you're following him, he is slowly making you more and more like him. Some of you just need to hear that. When you first fell in love with Jesus and where you're at now, you were so different then. It's a progressive power of Jesus. It has been at work in your life. The thing you need to hear is in community, it's an opportunity to be a mirror for each other. And here's what I mean by that. I referenced earlier Josh, it looked at me and said, Hey, you can't see the growth. That's what a mirror does it's, it's allowing other people to look at you and tell you where you've been growing. Because the people around you can see it so much better than you can. And so here's what I invite you to do. Take the opportunity, if you're sitting with people you know or you don't know, allow them to be a spiritual mirror to look and go, Jesus has been moving in your life, here's how. If you don't know the people here and they don't know you, call your mama, call your best friend, call someone, and let them speak to you and go, this is how Jesus has been moving. Two years ago, you used to do this, now you do this. You used to get so angry so quickly, now you don't. The progressive power of Jesus is at work in your life. So some of you need to hear that. Hey, you've seen it. You believe in it. No, trust me, it's working. And the third thing we have is we have the friends. And some of you believe in it. You have experienced it. And, and it just, that's so incredible. Your job is to start bringing all the blind people around you to Jesus. So I want to encourage you. Think about those people. And then begin to put them in the path, the progressive path of power of Jesus. Like Put him in his path. Say, please, Jesus, heal these people please, Jesus, my friend doesn't see you, doesn't believe me, please heal him. And then the second thing I wanna encourage you is, I'm gonna be honest, and this is gonna be really blunt. There is nothing worse than praying for your friend to know Jesus and then not watching it happen. You know, there's just so many times where I've shown up at the Ryman or showed up at the big conference and I brought someone who doesn't know Jesus and I'm like, and Jesus is gonna get them right now. He's got it. He's instantaneously, they're gonna change, drop to their knees, it's gonna be great. And nothing's happened. We've walked out and they're like, that was kind of nice. I'm like, dang it, this is awful. And here's what you need to know. Jesus wants to work in their lives too. And the issue we have so often in this is the instantaneous culture is that if coming to know Jesus is a number, number line, we believe it only happens from negative one to zero. But the reality is that people start on like negative 20 and we gotta slowly work all the way to zero. And zero is when they begin to encounter Jesus. And then they're gonna work the rest of the way to becoming more like Jesus, and so here's what I want to encourage you. Keep bringing them and trusting that Jesus, his progressive power, is going to move them from negative five to negative four, and negative four to negative three, and negative three to negative two, all the way. And when, we get, when they get to zero and they finally it happened, that's not an instantaneous moment. That's progressively Jesus shifting them into believing and seeing in him. And we're going to celebrate that. It's the progressive power of Jesus. Some of us are blind, man. We need more faith. Let's submit it at tables. Some of us are the people who've seen it, and we still just need a little bit more. We need to know it's working. Let's talk about our tables. And some of us believe it, and we need to start bringing people and trusting that it's working in their lives as well. I love you guys. It is so much fun to be here. The aggressive power of Jesus is, is at work in this room. I've seen it. It's alive. It's moving. He's moving. Um, I'm going to take communion. I'm going to pray, and then we'll take communion. I invite you, um, there's communion at your tables. If you don't have a table and you see open seats, come join. If not, there's some communion back there. Take this time to sit and just talk to each other. If you know the people around you, ask them. If you don't believe, say, I don't believe in this. Admit it. It's a start. If you do believe you need a little help, and, hey, where's Jesus growing in my life? Well, I haven't seen it in so long. And, it, and if you all believe in it, let's begin to pray and invite people in to, to experience the progressive power of Jesus. If you wanna talk, there'll be some people in the back I love you guys. Jesus is moving.